I'm Mrs. McDonald and I'm here to read another story to you today. Today I'm going to read the story The Hog Mollies and the Pickle Pie Party. See that pickle pie? I've never had pickle pie and I really don't know if I'd like pickle pie. I do like sweet pickles but I don't know if I'd like it in a pie. I guess um, if anybody ever offers me one maybe I'll try it. But after the story I'll show you how to grow a pickle. Hmm. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, coming to you with my co-host, Justin Panic. Today, we're going to review the offensive line from left tackle to right tackle, plus our good friend, Nick Gates, in there. But Justin, how are you, how are you doing on this Thursday evening and Friday when most people are listening? Hello, Bobby Skinner. It is always fantastic to be speaking with you and talking with you. Um, I'm excited for the weekend. I am going to Madison Square Garden to see the Eagles in concert. No relation to the football team. And uh, I'm excited to be talking about this offensive line group. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of breakdown. Um, I do have to ask you a very important question to start, though. I feel like it's not going to be that important. It's it's extremely important to me, and I don't care if it's not extremely important to anybody else. So you know that video about um, that woman and that man on the plane, right? Oh, yeah, I saw that. Where are you? What person are you? Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? Or is everyone wrong, and is everyone a jerk? I need to hear this from you. You just hold it. You don't have to, like, punch it back and forth. I've had it where I'm six foot seven. I've had a little kid try and, and, and lean back. You just hold. You just hold your hand out. And then, you know, for 10, 15 seconds, and they realize it's not moving back, and then you're done. Um, so the pushing it back and forth is is a weird move. And, and then, like, not even reacting to each other. I mean, a couple of weirdos, to be honest. Was weirdos. But I do think that I would be petty enough to push on the seat back and forth like that. I would be. And I hate Everyone to say Everyone says that, but when you're in the moment, no one has the balls to actually do that. So I, I give that guy credit for having the balls to do that. But nobody, 99% of humanity does not have the courage to do something like that. This is true. This is true. I am I'm a very petty person. Especially when you're getting ready to go somewhere and you, you're trying to be in that place, you don't want to get kicked off a plane. It's like saying bomb. Oh. <laughs> have you ever played the bomb game on a plane? Nope. Never never really attempted to try it. Um, is, is it worth trying? No, not really. I mean, we did it once on the way to the Cayman Islands, but we never got louder than like, bomb. Like we couldn't do it loud enough. I mean, it's a stupid game, honestly. All right, let's talk about this offensive line. <laughs> Wait, any news? News? What? What are you talking about? There is no news. There's no news. There's no news. There's no. There's no Des Bryant to the Giants rumors or anything like that. Nope. Nope. We're not addressing nope. Demarcus Robinson rumors. Um, choo choo choo, Mrs. Robinson. Let's talk about. Let's get right into these offensive line. These big nasties. You know, we're going to start with Nate Solder and then go to Mike Remmers and then finish it off with Nick Gates. But, let, I mean, let's talk about him as a whole. Not great. With Eli, they had five sacks, so a little over one a game. And then when Daniel Jones came in, they had 38 sacks in 12 games, and that's over three a game. So part of that, obviously, is the QB play. Daniel Jones needs to get better at his pocket awareness. Uh, you know, Eli got rid of the ball quicker. You know, that just comes with being a vet. And Saquon had his best games with Eli um, you know, three out of his four 100-yard rushing games were with uh, Eli, and not, and the only one that was with Daniel Jones was uh, against the Washington Redskins in Week 16. So 43 sacks is just not good. You know, that's that's over three. That's almost three a game, and is only four less than in 2018. So in the past game, it's it was kind of disappointing 
The thing is, though, Justin, and we'll get into it when we talk about Nate Solder, I really, I mean, the majority of the blame goes on Nate Solder. Oh, don't give away the main points of this conversation. Don't don't you dare do it. I, I'm don't telling you, you we're, we were not, this is not any kind of spoiler telling people that Nate Solder is not good. No, but I think the the analysis as to evaluating this line as a whole, a lot of it is ultimately interconnected to Nate Solder, as it as it basically should be. You mentioned the notion that Eli Manning would get rid of the ball a lot quicker than Daniel Jones, and this is true. I actually have numbers to back this up, according to NFL Next Gen Stats. Eli Manning, uh, 2.6 seconds average time to throw. That was the eighth fastest release time in the NFL. And in 2018, he was at 2.65. So the small sample size in 2019, it was still on par to those 16 game rate numbers. Daniel Jones averaged 2.84 seconds in the time to throw category, which was tied for the 12th longest average release time. And between Eli and Jones, there were 17 quarterbacks that had substantial playing time between them in those rankings. So yes, that two tenths of a seconds is a pretty big difference. Obviously, there's the quick release throws, you know, planned, but it's those plays where it's the developing play downfield where Jones would just hold on to it a little longer, which I'm not even complaining about because I like that about him. But it does have a difference. And the fact that Daniel Jones needs to do a better job stepping up in the pocket. I mean, how many times do we see Nate Solder uh, get beat? But if Jones takes a step or two ahead in the pocket, you know, maybe that takes off five sacks on the year, although the majority were just flat out bad on Nate Solder. So not great in the pass game, but like we said, basically mostly on Nate Solder. And then in the run game, Justin, like Saquon Barkley averaged 4.6 yards per carry. So pretty good, especially when he was injured for a lot of those games. But the rest of that, those running backs averaged 3.3 yards per carry between Gallman, uh, Allen, Hilleman, and Penny. I mean, that's just abysmal. That's horrible. So it's showing that Saquon can make plays to be a productive running back. But when he's not in there, the Giants are just not able to run the ball. And I mean, it was the same way in 2018 where they had 3.4 yards per carry, so even a little better. I mean, they just struggled to work together as a unit. All right, so Football Outsider has some stats on the Giants' season. Now, granted, uh, they don't really break up you know, the carries that are between Saquon and the carries that are between the rest of the running backs. But nevertheless, uh, overall, Football Outsiders ranked the Giants' offensive line unit as the 25th group in the NFL. And there's a few different metrics and there's a few different stats and ways that they have measured that. Uh, the first being power success, and that's the percentage of runs on third or fourth down with two yards or less to go that achieved a first down or touchdown. The Giants ranked 24th with a power success rate of 61%, and the average was 65%. So the second thing that I'm going to talk about is stuffed percentage, and that's the percentage of runs where the running back is tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage. Giants were 19th in stuffed percentage with a 20% stuffed rate, and the league average being 19 And the final point that I kind of want to make statistically about this Giants offensive line group as a whole is the Giants were in the bottom fourth of the league in yards in which running backs earned between five and 10 yards past the line of scrimmage, but top 10 in the league when measuring running backs earning more than 10 yards past the line of scrimmage, which makes a lot of sense since we had a lot of trouble uh, sustaining four yards per carry, four yards per carry, five yards per carry at that consistent clip. But at the same time, Saquon Barkley is a home run threat. So it makes sense that that is the category in which we are actually pretty positive in. So there you go. Uh, not very good statistically. And Bobby also contextualized how we were not very good by the eye test. Right. Let's get right into the individual guys. 
Let's start off with the most negative one, Nate Solder. 2018, he has a better second half. And then so 2019, it's like, okay, we're all set. He's ready. He's used to Pat Shermer's offense. He's used to these five, seven-step drops instead of what Tom Brady gave him. And it was abysmal, Justin. I mean, it was really, really, really bad. You know, mostly in the pass game. The run game, he was actually probably the best run blocker. But in the pass game, he was just flat-out bad. He got beat time after time, always off the edge from bad technique, bad finishing. I mean, it was just all around bad on Nate Solder to the point where I'm just not comfortable with him being the Giants' starting left tackle in 2020. Like, I I would almost be more excited for Gates at the left tackle spot just because it's like, okay, let's there's some kind of potential here. I'm telling you, Justin, I am, I am worried that Nate Solder, because of his contract, will be slated to be the starter in 2020. Starter at which position, left tackle or right tackle? Left tackle. Shh. Bobby, they can't. They can't do it. <laughs> well, that's why we got to draft Andrew Thomas. Yeah, I, I, I have to admit, I was typing up my, my notes for this podcast, and I'm thinking about the fact that we would be so mad about Pat Shermer on Sunday, right? We would be so mad at Pat Shermer on Sunday and Monday, and then the All-22 film comes out, and I'm saying to myself, Nate Solder cost us this football game and if it's not for him and uh, I think we had this we both kind of had this point during the regular season Bobby if it's not for him this offensive line group and unit is actually an above average group and is there a spin zone that says if it's not for Nate Solder and if Nate Solder actually has his 2018 play that Pat Shermer possibly keeps his job that's a thought that creeped into my brain. Don't don't kill me. Uh, I'm going to have that take and then run away. Think about the moments. I mean, Chicago. Now, part of this yes. is on Daniel Jones holding on to the ball. But also part of this is Daniel Jones is in his backswing and his arm gets hit. Like, you can't get on him for ball security there. You have to get on soldier or, you know, getting rid of the ball quicker. I mean, Chicago, right there at the goal line, they score a touchdown. Philadelphia. With Eli, the flea flicker, that was a touchdown, a guaranteed touchdown, and Nate Solder gets beat off the jump. Um, Arizona, like in Tampa, he got beat. Uh, you know, we ended up winning that game, but he got beat, and, and Daniel Jones fumbled. Jets game? Well, the fumbles were on Saquon in that game, but he did. No, he had one bad one that game before he got hurt. So it just, I can't trust it. And I, you know, there's this argument that his family's going through a lot, and they are. And I, I feel horrible criticizing Nate Solder. Like it's my one of my least favorite things to do is to make a video criticizing Nate Solder. But you know, when we do this, we have to do it. And the the argument is, well, he was distracted. And I get that. But do we expect these kind of issues to go away? Unfortunately, not. You know, as sad as like inhumane it is to say that, it's like we just don't expect those issues to go away. I'm just not comfortable with him there. I wish he was. I I would I want to love Nate Solder as a football player. But man, he it was just absolutely horrible, and I just don't understand. I don't think we can expect it to get better. Yeah, I, I really don't think we're doing our jobs as podcasters if we don't kind of point that out and how we, you know, basically we're saying that Nate Solder cost this football team. He cost the offense a lot of points this year, cost him a lot of drives, and even in that Chicago game, I'm thinking of that Chicago game in reference to. He derailed drives, not necessarily by allowing turnovers and allowing, you know, Daniel Jones to eventually fumble the ball, but just by allowing internal pressure. Detroit, there was a fourth down where Jones got hit as he's thrown, and it's incomplete because of him. Yeah, and again, that that derails an entire drive. But, Bobby, 
he has to move to right tackle. And there have been people that have told me on Twitter where, you know, it's basically switching the, the, your primary handwriting hand. That's been the comparison and that it's very hard to do and that they shouldn't do it. But here, let me, let me give you a metaphor. It's not that and hard just, when you, if you have an all, a whole off season to train for it. Right. Right. But give, let me give you a metaphor for the, for the people that have that argument and for people that I don't think anybody's fine with Nate Solder being the left tackle, but we just broke our primary writing hand and we literally have no, no choice but to switch to right tackle because you're ultimately putting the 2020 season in jeopardy before a football game is even played if you're fine with Nate Solder being your left tackle next year. You're putting the season in jeopardy before it even begins. Even if he's bad, I'd rather him be bad at right tackle. And you know what? As much as we're like giving him crap, he was a good run blocker. He was. like I, I yes. will give him that. He's a good run blocker. And so that helps out on the right side as well, too. So, like I said, it, it sucks. Like, there's a human element to this that is horrible. I mean, I've, like, broken down thinking about it before. It sucks. But at the end of the day, it's like he has to come out and be ready to play. And he just wasn't that this year. So, 2020, move him to right tackle, I would be, I'd be fine with that. Am I, would I be confident in it? No. But I would be fine with it because I also get that this is a business and he's got a lot of money on the books. Yeah, they have they have no choice but to keep him, but they have to make the right decision. And, you know, we've got all caught up in free agency and draft talk and all the uh, all the interesting and fun choices that the Giants could make, partially because they have so many holes, which makes you very nervous when you think about it. I'm actually I'm getting very worried about the the amount of things and amount of and the amount of holes the Giants need to address this offseason. While I'm still excited for it, it also makes me very nervous. But now reflecting back on Nate Solder's 2019 season, it ultimately is a reminder to me like this guy cost, I cannot emphasize this enough, he cost this football team drives, points, and games. Where everybody else was getting mad at Pat Shermer, you turned on that all 22 film and it was Nate Solder was the guy that was derailing offensive drives for this, for this football team. He was. Nope, we don't want to hear that, Justin. Um, it's all, it was all Shermer's fault. You know it, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Are, you, are we ready to move on to Will Hernandez? Anything else on Nate Solder? Any more we trash are... on Nate Solder we need to do? I felt so no. bad because like his wife follows us on social media and I was putting out these videos of like, Hey, look at this guy, Nate Solder. He sucks. And I really did. I, and I, I think there was a couple I kept in the barrel because I was like, you know what? What's the point of this? No, here's here's a here's a positive spin that could be, you know, in terms of being hopeful about his 2020 season if he moves to right tackle, how much can Kevin Zeitler benefit him playing next to him? Yeah, that does help. And let's get into that with Will Hernandez. Will Hernandez, he was supposed to be the guy to make the jump, man. He was going to go from rookie who had some issues to this all-out mauler Richie Incognito's uh guard. At 6'2", 327 pounds, he's 24 years old, so he's definitely got a lot of room to grow. But his season was kind of underwhelming, Justin. He never became dominant. He wasn't horrible. He wasn't a liability. But he was never dominant. And that's what we drafted Will Hernandez in the second round to be, is dominant. I think there's... uh, I don't know what contributes to that, besides the fact that he just wasn't a mauler in the run game. I, I, I don't think it's strength. We saw that, you know, him coming out of UTEP. I just don't know what went into him not being that guy. I don't know if it's Jalapio next to him. 
I don't know. He didn't pull a ton. Uh, Zeitler was usually the pulling guard when there was pull plays. So in the run game, he just wasn't that absolute mauler that he could be. There was games where it would flash, but for the, the totality of the 2019 season, he wasn't that guy. He seems to have the physical part of the game figured out. Now, this is at least in my opinion. You tell me if I'm if you tell me if I'm wrong and you tell me that I'm a stupid idiot, as always. The critique we had post-2018 is he needs to do a better job adjusting to the speed of the game. That's at least something that I had down in my notes when I was when we were doing previewing the Giants episodes during the summer. And it seems like he did. When going up 1v1, he adjusted better to pass rush moves. And his play strength and footwork, it's it's very impressive. But where his game was lacking and seemed to be was on the mental side of things. Now, not sure how much this is on the center in terms of if he's expecting a double team where a guy is stunting to his right, but there were times where a sack or a negative play was on him on the outside looking in because he would just let a guy run right by him. He seemed to have a much better connection and relationship with Jalapio compared to Pulley, and this even goes back to 2018 where they just never looked in sync together. But Bobby, I guess this is where my question kind of lies in with Will Hernandez because I I really do think the physical part of the game where unlike Nate Solder, a guy that opens up his hips, he doesn't use his hands well, Will Hernandez seems to have that physical part of the game figured out. He adjusted to the speed of the game, but it's just a lot of these mental things. How much is that on maybe number one, John Jalapio calling things out at the line of scrimmage and and adjusting certain things at the line of scrimmage? And then how much are we going to put that on Hal Hunter since we knew that he wasn't the best offensive line coach out there? And does that conversation kind of even relate to Will Hernandez? Listen, the Hal Hunter thing, it's just, it's hard to touch and to be educated on it because we don't know what's going on in practice. We don't know. Because we saw Nick Gates come on and pick things up physically, mentally, everything. You know, that was his coach too. As much as Hal Hunter could have been the worst offensive line coach in the world, but we just can't, we can't see that from the outside looking in. But what we could see is that Hernandez and Solder couldn't pick up a stunt for nothing. I mean, it was horrible. They would get confused by it all the time. They would almost consistently not get picked up. And I'm a, I don't think stunts are very effective, honestly. But they were against the left side of the New York Giants offensive line. And, and that speaks to just not being like having your eyes up, like where you're just focusing on one guy. So like you said, I agree with like he has all the physical tools. He actually he has like good technique in pass pro. But it just seems like his eyes were never up. And part of that is Nate Solder not passing guys off or being worried about getting, you know, beat off the edge. So yeah, that has to get better. I don't I don't know how much you could put on Jalapio, because again, it's one of those things where you don't we don't know what the protections are being called and, and all of those things. And something that's been significant to me as, you know, we kind of went on throughout the 2019 season, you know, Baldy would do his breakdowns every single week. You have what seems to be miscommunication issues in September and October. Okay. But then once you're going on to November and December and the same miscommunication issues are happening, I think as fans, you know, it's it's absolutely logical to say, what is going on here? You know, is this coaching or is this player execution? If it's going on for a substantial amount of time, and Bobby, I think this is why more or less we were more patient with Pat Shermer uh, for a majority of the season rather than a lot of fans, because we don't know. 
but it certainly is fair once you're getting to the months of November and December. If the same miscommunication mistakes are happening over and over and over again, it is certainly fair to question coaching. It's certainly fair to question scheme, and it's fair to you know it's fair to question how those coaches are carrying out their scheme to communicate with their players. Yeah, and so future wise for Hernandez, I I am still as optimistic as I was going into 2019. Because Mark Colombo, like if, if two guys are going to gel, it's going to be Colombo and Hernandez. You could just tell from being around different personalities, those two guys are going to gel. It's going to be like, like they have a, they have different traits, but I think those guys are going to gel. So hopefully Colombo can get the most out of him. And like you said, the physical traits are all there. Um, you know, mental wise, it, it only gets better. You obviously, you know, you get smarter as you go on. A crazy concept. And he's 20. He's 24 years old. So. I I am excited for Will Hernandez going into 2020. As much as there was times where you're like, why is he not like getting a whole lot better from his rookie year? Uh, left guard is a spot where I am 100% confident going into 2020. I would agree. It's much harder to teach the physical parts of the game if you know he's got the toughness. Uh, there were two particular points this year against the Washington Football Club where uh, he would absolutely clobber a defensive lineman and pass pro and pass sets. And then there was a time against the New England Patriots where he would absolutely clobber somebody and they were highlight worthy plays and they were really fun to see, really fun to make gifs and gifs out of. So it's it's uh, much tougher to teach the physical side of the game compared to the mental side of the game. And Will Hernandez certainly does have those physical traits. He has the mean streak. He has the play strength. He has the footwork. Let's see what he does in 2020. I'm excited for it. All right, that means next on the list is the center position. And it was six foot three, three hundred fifteen pound, twenty-eight year old. John Halapio. John Halapio, obviously in twenty eighteen, started two games and then was out for the year, comes back. It's supposed to be his year. I will say Halapio, he he got a lot more flack than he deserved. I didn't he was not good because he doesn't really get movement at all in the run game. And, you know, there, we do see miscommunications. And like I said, I can't just sit there and say, oh, that's a center. But you also wonder if it is the center. But we did see Justin in the one game that Spencer Pulley came in and played that, okay, Halapio is better than Pulley because Pulley got absolutely just wrecked. So Halapio, he's a uh, free agent this year. Do you see him coming back? I mean, what do you think of his 2019 season? I mean, he tore his Achilles. So he's coming off of a he's he's coming into an off season where it's two it's two years in a row where he suffered major injuries where he's going to lose a, a substantial amount of time and he's going to lose a substantial amount of now training period training time in the off season. If he's a free agent. I, I really don't see him coming back, uh, especially since the Giants have Spencer Pulley locked up. I'm pretty sure for the next two years. I don't feel good with Spencer Pulley as like an, an, another option, but at the same time. Jalapio had an entire summer with this football team to work and to prep. Pulley had a lot of time in 2018 to work and prep, and I know we're going to get to Spencer Pulley when we talk to him, so I guess I'll save my thoughts on that. But I don't think Jalapio no, is going to come talk back. Pulley. I'm not. We're not giving Pulley his own dedicated time. Oh, we're not. Okay. So I'll, I, if Pulley is given a period of time where he can work with the line and he can you know get some more chemistry and whatnot. He did not get any first team reps throughout the season. It was he got first team reps throughout the summer. And I'm pretty sure it was the early summer where he got first team reps because it was pretty much decided pretty early and maybe in the middle of training camp that Jalapio would be the starting guy and he solely took those first team reps. So that was a tough spot for Pulley to come in against that that Jets game. But it 
was bad. It was very, very bad. Guys were just coming up that eight gap, making plays, uh, and that's partially why you had, uh, you know, our running backs. It was Saquon in that game had one at a total of one yard, right? One yard rushing. Yeah, yeah, he was, which is, I, which I is just, embarrassing. I'm just not a fan of Pulley. I really am not. In 2019 or 2018, I thought he got a little overrated. I'm not a fan of Pulley. Uh, I'd rather have Jalapio at the starting center. In 2020, but I do think it is a position that should be swapped out. Um, while Jalapio, yeah. like I said, he got a lot more flack than he deserved. He also wasn't good. So, like, we want we want good players. So, if there's an upgrade there, whether it's moving Nick Gates over, whether it's someone in the draft, whether it's someone in free agency that I haven't looked at yet, I do want the center position upgraded. Yeah, and you mentioned not being able to move people in the run game, and that's ultimately play strength. Uh, if there's one ultimate critique of Hal- John Halapio, it's that it's he he just does not have the necessary play strength for him to be fully successful. I think what a lot of people saw and what the organization saw before the season started, just watching him maybe just in shorts and watching the way that he worked, is that they saw somebody who's technically sound, and I, and I can't really. Put, I can't really you can't really fault him for that. He made a lot of good plays this year where they were they were in a way they were flashy plays. I'm thinking of a of a reverse that he that we had against Chicago where he was down 10 10 yards down the field blocking Prince of Mukamara on a sweep that had that Sterling Shepard had. There have been screens that we've seen John Halapio out out in front making good blocks, putting a hat on you know putting a hat on a helmet and whatnot. So he's made some good plays, but it's just that lack of play strength um and possibly Again, we don't really fully know, but it's fair to question possibly just not being a good communicator at the line of scrimmage in terms of communicating protections for this football team. Yeah, I will say, though, the the fumble return for a touchdown against Detroit was not on Jalapio. I asked around, and I got mad at somebody for saying, like, oh, Jalapio, like, they got to get him out and show the video. Like, he's not calling the right protection. That was on uh, Daniel Jones. So, anyways, uh, I just had to throw that in there. All right. Kevin Zeitler, our best friend, our best friend, Kevin Zeitler, friend of the Your show. Your best friend in particular. Yes, definitely. Hey, you know what? They do like us. In fact, we recommended an interview with him to a friend. So they, for those who've been like, oh, Bobby derailed the interview. Guess what? He liked us. And we like Kevin. He's six foot four, 315 pounds. He'll be 30 uh, by the, uh, in the beginning of March. He was the most well-received Dave Gettleman move in a trade for Olivier Vernon, which ended up being packaged in the Odell trade. But it, at the end of the day, it was it was a it was a separate trade. I tell you what, I was impressed with Kevin Zeiler. He was definitely an upgrade at right guard. Um, did he like blow us away? No, but at the same time, like he did his job in the run game. He got movement um, for the most part. He was very sound in the pass game, except for Khalil, uh, when Khalil Mack blew him up, and then everyone freaked out, saying, "Oh wow, Kevin Zeitler, this guy's solid." It's like, yeah, he is. That's just called Khalil Mack is on the other side of the freaking football field. So obviously, we're really pumped with Kevin Zeitler. Um, he's 30 years old, so we don't know how much time he has left. But at the guard position, we could see him playing a long time. And I think, you know, and uh, a Giants team that has not had steadiness at the offensive line, I really hope that. Zeitler, along with Hernandez, can anchor that guard spot for the next four to five years. He was battling a, a pretty major shoulder injury throughout the season as well, right? Yeah, pretty much the whole season. Is it fair to say that he was our best offensive player this year? Is is that too much of a stretch? Even though he didn't blow us out of the water, is it fair well, to say that he was our best offensive player this year? 
the thing that sets him apart is he played all the games except for one, whereas none of the receivers played a bunch. I don't know. I guess, yeah, my, why not, given the, given the title, since you guys are best friends. We are best friends. So I, I, I ranked him on Twitter today as my third current favorite Giants player. Mm, wow. Who was, for, who was one and two? Daniel Jones and Marcus Golden. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. But Marcus Golden might not be on the Giants. I know that's and that and that honestly breaks my heart. But it's also, did you like how I made my all my here? You get here if you're listening to the podcast, you get you get a glimpse inside my brain instead of just being on Twitter. I rank my favorite Giants players based off of the people that I've met and or the people that I've talked to, and I enjoy talking to the most. Oh wow! Congratulations. I enjoyed meeting and talking with Daniel Jones the most because I made him laugh and I asked for a picture. I said, can I get a picture with the next Giants franchise quarterback? And he laughed. His family laughed too. No, it was a genuine laugh. I hate you. Number two, it was Marcus Golden. I hyped up Marcus Golden when nobody else was hyping up Marcus Golden. And um, a shout out to uh, Marcus Eberhard on Twitter. His father, good friends, friend of the show. I met him and I was like, hey, we should uh, we should we should interview sometime. So we'll uh, stay tuned for that. Number three, Kevin Zeitler. I talked with him. He's a great friend of mine. And then number four and five, Dalvin Tomlinson and Jabril Peppers. I have not met Jabril Peppers, but I did go to a similar high school as Jabril Peppers. And I watched him play high school. A similar high school. What what is a similar high school? A similar high school means that our high schools are like in the same division for for football. And I would watch him play, and he beat us in a state championship one year. But then the next year, we beat him, and I was happy. Uh, can I do? Can I do my top five? Oh, sure. Yes, please. All right. Is this only current Giants? Yeah, let's do current Giants since that was that was the prompt that I was right. given on Daniel Twitter. Daniel Jones is the easy number one, since you know it's I go to war for that guy. Number two. Trying to think of guys I'd like to hang out with. So O line, number two, Dalvin or not Dalvin, uh, Dexter Lawrence. I'd like to hang out with him. Mm-hmm. Number three, let's see corners. I'm trying to think of who I think I'd make last. Sam Beal's a Sam Beal's a nice guy. You're a big fan. <laughs> yeah, I guess I have to put Sam Beal on there. You and have to put Sam Beal. Trying to think Antoine of guys Bethea, who. Like, uh, Tweeted tweeted you out sometime, right? Oh, Antoine Bethea, I know because I make old people laugh. I'm good at making old black people laugh, and that's Ooh. just that's just a fact. It's a fact. I know what makes old black people laugh. It's just in my blood. Um, so Antoine Bethea, I'm just naming all these horrible players: Bethea, Beal. Um, Throw Alec Ogletree then, in there. No, I I don't think I'd get along with Alec Ogletree. I'll go five. I'll go. I'll go Jabril. I think I think we get along pretty decently. But I, yes. I think Deon, DeAndre Baker um, would be is, is a close six. All right. So what are we talking about? I I have one more point on Kevin Zeitler. Yeah, but I mean, let's just do our top twenty. Uh, top twenty current favorite Giants players. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, All right. No, I'm just kidding. No. Go with Kevin Zeitler. I was I, I was gonna I was gonna say Alex. I was gonna say Alex Tanny is number six. Um, Oh, Alex Tanny's a bore. He's got like 180 followers on Instagram. That's how boring you guys. You guys are cutie. Wow, you looked him up today on Instagram to see if you should follow him, and you decided against it. No, I remember trying to get him on Superman Radio a few years back. No, I mean Alex Tanny truly is a hero. Let me let me look up see how many followers he has. What do you mean he's a hero? Alex Tanny. 
I got no use for this guy. He's a hero. Dan- Daniel Jones would not have developed the same if it wasn't for Alex Tanny. Forget oh, Eli Manning. Shut up. <laughs> He's got a thousand. They kept him on this followers. roster for a reason. Your sarcasm is not appreciated. I think a lot of people do. Real Giants fans know how valuable Alex Tanny was on this <laughs> roster this year. Also, they know how valuable Nate Stupar is, and they, they definitely know how unvaluable Tay Davis is. Shut up. You're pushing all my buttons right now, and let's just talk about Kevin Zeitler. <laughs> Kevin Zeitler. This is what I have to say about Kevin Zeitler. Yes, I do, think he was, I do think that he was our best, most consistent offensive player this year. Carl Banks talks about how he has great eye and foot connection, and that's probably one of my favorite things when I like to look at offensive linemen now is the fact that, you know, is their head matching what they're doing with their feet? I mentioned to Kevin Zeitler in his interview that I think he the way that he plays football, it's like he is walking on water. He is that smooth when he is moving from one level to the next. He never looks like he is out of control, and he never looks like he's basically losing himself when he's playing the game of football, which is ultimately very nice to see. So, yes, I enjoy watching Kevin Zeitler play the position of right guard. I enjoy that he is going to be a giant for the next few years, and um, that's what I have to say. Put a bow on Yeah. Yeah, Zeitler is the man. Like, getting him was an awesome trade, and we have a solid right guard. And hopefully, he is a giant until the day he retires. And hopefully, that's you know, that's you know, five years down the road, and not two years down the road. And you know, we get an offensive line and and keep these guys together like we did those '07 to '09 guys, even though that's impossible. What do you say to the people that say that he should move to center? Why? I just I don't see it. did people say that? I, I have never seen that. That's a thought that just popped into my brain. He's never and played center, and he's 30 years old. I just don't I don't see that happening. He also mentioned on our interview how they act, he actually did try to play center at one point in his career, and it didn't work. And I think that's why I'm remembering it, because somebody probably on Twitter said something that he, that he should play center, and then I remember on the interview he said that it didn't work. So there you go. Yeah. More insight into Kevin Zeitler. Yeah, I forgot that because the interview was so boring. All right, next on the list, Mike Rammers, six foot five, three hundred ten pound tackle. He's thirty years old. He'll be thirty one when the season starts. He was a one year deal, and you know we didn't know what we we're going to do at right tackle going into the season. It was going to be Chad Wheeler, who was horrible. He was just like a tiny bit better than Eric Flowers, so people liked him. And people trash Mike Rammers, but damn it, Mike Rammers was a good right tackle for the Giants, at least better than expected. Um, he had two bad games to, that stick out. One was against the Cardinals and Chandler Jones, and one was in the Dallas Monday Night Football game against Demarcus Lawrence. Which, by the way, he, he I got laughed for pulling up some clips of old Mike Remmers on the Panthers versus Demarcus Lawrence. He dominated Demarcus Lawrence in Week One. He was a good right tackle, and I couldn't stand when he gets slandered because he did everything he was expected to do. He played much better than Soldier. He had better technique. He was more physical in the past game. Uh, did he blow guys away in the run game? No, but he always made his assignment. There was windows. Like, remember, five, try to remember one time where you said, ooh, Mike Remmers, mental mistake. <laughs> Not there. I was very impressed with Mike Remmers. Now, do we bring him back? I don't know because he obviously the ceiling at this point is, is not high. So maybe you, you know, you go with Nick Gates. Maybe you, you have to move Solder over because you draft a left tackle. I don't know what they do with Mike Remmers, but if he's starting at right tackle again, I am not mad. I, I'm not, like, jumping for joy, but I'm not mad. Who's a better right tackle, him or Jack Conklin? Rammers. 
Wow. I, I, in the past game. See, my problem, though, is with the tackles, and this is a flaw of mine, I kind of ignore the run game a little too much. Um, so when I think of that, I just I, when I think about protecting the QB is the most important thing. So Conklin, Conklin is much better in the run game. But pass game, now I've, now I've only watched two games of Conklin close. Um, you know, one was against the Chiefs in the regular season. One was against the Jags. So maybe and maybe those are just his two worst games. But I'd rather have Rammers. But also think of what's Especially more... Especially contract-wise, too. Yeah, but, uh, but even think of just what's more significant in the game of football. When you're running the ball, where allowing a you know having one or two yards on, on an attempt well. because a right where where uh where a right tackle or left tackle misses a block when you're running the ball on the inside, or allowing a, a seven yard sack, like what's you know what's more significant in the game of football? So I technically don't blame you for considering when you're looking at a tackle, considering the way that they pass block more than they run block necessarily. Also, when you consider, we've talked about on this podcast time and time again, that a lot of teams don't necessarily run outside the tackles very often anyway. But uh, I have to agree with everything you said about Remmers. Uh, There was rarely a time where you looked at a play and you said Mike Remmers was the cause of this negative play. And that's exactly what you want to see. He kind of did have that mean streak, which that's something that I actually liked from his time in in Minnesota when watching him is that, you know, even though, oh, he, he struggled at guard and he struggled maybe sometimes at tackle here and there, he was pretty physical. And that's not something that certainly, you know, what's their faces, Eric Flowers and Chad Wheeler. They were certainly not physical. So it was a nice breath of fresh air to see Bobby. I, I kind of want him on the roster in 2020, but feasibly thinking where that would fit and how it would and how he would fit. The only way that that would happen is if we have the same starting five as we did in 2019. Because I don't think Remmers is a depth piece. I don't think he's a backup. And that does not make me feel good at all. So unfortunately, I do think Remmers kind of has to be the sacrificial lamb in the case of moving Solder to right tackle, because then that means that he doesn't have a spot on the team. I mean, he could be forced into a depth piece, though, if they sign him in free agency and they go and get, like, uh, you know, they go and draft a tackle. So, you know, if it, once the contract is signed, now, obviously, last year was a little different with him where he signed after, it was after the draft, right? I think it was in, in yes. sometime in May or maybe even June. Because it was um, the back injury that had to clear up and everything like that. So, yeah. Yes, yes. But they, it was kind of like, a, okay, it's happening, but we have to wait until everything clears. So, if they can snag him on, like, a one year deal, then, I mean, you know, then at that point you can do with him whatever you want. So I and I don't right. know. I just don't know who at you know thirty one years old with the like the injury issues and not you know not being like a top tier guy. I just don't see anyone like coming and giving him a multi year deal. Um, obviously you can front load it, but I don't know. I I I would not be surprised if he's back and at a depth piece. I would like that. I really would. Um, so basically, Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman lied to him, say we're not drafting tackle in the first round, so we're going to need you to start a right tackle, get him to sign, <laughs> and then you draft somebody. Just lie. <laughs> that always seems to work. In a the big game part of that. being a GM is lying. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you what. You ask, uh, yes, Steve Smith, uh, how he likes Dave Gettleman. He would tell you a very, very similar thing about Dave Gettleman's philosophy. Yeah. Well, ask Yannick and Gakwe. What do you think? Mm, 15 quarterback hits. That's what I think. I'm saying, but I just love the whole, like, nobody wants to come and play for the Giants, except for every free agency when they, all these free agencies tease us, tease us, 
and all the draft picks like Haskins and Saquon, they all will retweet the Giants edits and they don't retweet nothing else. They want the guaranteed money, Bobby Skinner. Yeah, it's just the stupid narrative that nobody wants to play for the Giants. It's like, what are you talking about? Shut up! Nobody, nobody wanted to be the head coach of the Giants either. Yep, shut up. We have one more guy. Are we moving on? Okay, Nick Gates. Nick Gates <laughs> is the undrafted free agent out of Nebraska. Woo, he started, to shine, started the shine a little bit in the preseason where we kind of had our na- our eyes on him. And then he got his time to start when Mike Rimmers went down uh, the week before the Jets. Nick Gates comes in, and he was the best offensive lineman on that day. I mean, he was awesome. I you know wrote articles about him because he, he was, that's how good he was. And then Mike Rimmers comes back, and he's back to the bench. And then Kevin Zeitler gets hurt against uh, um, before the Miami game. And Nick Gates comes in, and he's awesome again. I'm telling you what, I'm so impressed with this kid, what he's done. I don't know if he's going to be a starter for this team, but I'm impressed, and I want him to get a chance, whether it's with us or somebody else. I mean, he played a guard, tackle. He took snap. I mean, there's weeks where he was taking uh, snaps at center. He did left tackle in the preseason, I and mean, he didn't play the same position in the preseason game. I love what this guy is. I think he's super smart, and I think he's one of those undrafted guys that we'll hear about. Like, this guy was undrafted, and look at him. He's just starting in his 30s. I, I I like Nick Gates a lot. Do I, am I Would I be comfortable going into 20 with him as a tackle? Not necessarily, but if they are making that move, it's because they see something, so then that would make me more confident in it. I think Nick Gates is going to be a really good football player. I think he puts in the work. He's got the technique. He's got the the mindset. He picks things up mentally very quickly. He picks up stunts, zone blitzes. I'm a big fan of Nick Gates. Those Nebraska Cornhuskers in that Big Ten conference, they produce those offensive linemen left and right. They produce it like it's nobody's business. Uh, Let's Nick see. Gates. The offensive line is, is Nick Gates, Nebraska, Mike Remmers. Where did Mike Remmers go to college? He went to Oregon State, Zeitler. Wisconsin, John Jalapio, Florida, Hernandez, UTEP, and then Solder. Where did Solder go to college? Jeez. All right, talk about Nick Gates. It was a billion years ago. Nick Gates also has great hair. It looks like he belongs in a metal band. Colorado, lovely. Looks like he belongs in a metal band along with Mark Colombo, so that could be something that could be explored further. Uh, I would pay. Well, he's, he's he's got the hair, though. Do you do you think do you think if he cut the hair that he would be a more attractive man? No, no, no. Because I'm kind of looking. I'm, there's a picture of him in a man bun, and it looks oh, it looks terrible. Anyway, I would pay a lot of money to see that see that concert and cover that event. I would certainly I would I would do Talking Giants live from the uh, uh, Free Rain concert featuring Nick Gates. Anyway, good footwork. You would not. Well, that's well you well you're not a fan of metal, so poo poo you. Great footwork. You saw that immediately from the preseason, and you know a, a guy that has good footwork that doesn't have his feet in cement, and a guy that stays balanced in his footwork is a guy that has a chance to succeed in the National Football League. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter where you were drafted, doesn't matter where you come from, yada yada yada. Nick Gates has that potential, and he has that potential to start in the NFL. It's just a matter of where. Don't you don't really feel safe, like you said, starting him at right tackle, but there's the need at left tackle, and the two guard spots are taken up. What about center? I mean, that leaves center, and it's if we're seeing how smart he is, right? And if there's a criticism of Jalapio that we're not really sure that's criticism, it's the fact of the 
you know, calling out the protections at the line of scrimmage, and we're seeing how smart he is in that regard. For a guy that's not, I don't really think he's that huge. Um, what, what he's six six three oh six? No, that's not that's not six six is tall, but three oh six isn't necessarily very heavy. So center may fit. Is six six too tall to be a center? Is that is that a thing? No, 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 no. I, I can see him being. A, I mean, how tall was Sean O'Hare? Six four is my guess. Six four six three. If I'm right, you owe me you owe me two dollars. You said six four six three. He's six three. You were wrong. You said six four first. I said six four six three. You jerk. You owe me two dollars. That is not a height. Six four six three is not a height. That's two separate heights. You said six four first. Six three is the answer. You're wrong. I I you know what the listeners think the listeners know that I'm right. So that's all. Oh, that do you want us to you want us to do the review thing? Because last time we did that, they agreed with me. All right, <laughs> Nikki Gates. LOL. Old old Nicky Gates. Can he fit at center? I think it's worth a shot. You know what I'm saying? You got this guy who you've seen come in and take it the take the best advantage of every opportunity he's had. Obviously, you can't put him at guard. Are you comfortable with him at tackle? Maybe. Maybe that's something that they are comfortable with that. I just feel like you try and, you know, the whole square pegs and round holes. You got this guy who's shown that he can play offensive line in the NFL, or at least showed glimpses of that. Why not try him at the center position? I mean, he's practiced taking snaps before, you know, this season. I mean, he was taking snaps in the Jets week. So, because, um, you know, Halapi was out that week. So, you know, pull, he was the backup center as well as the starting right tackle that week. So, I just, I don't know. This guy has shown that he can move around. Center is the only position we haven't seen him at. But I think it's I think it's worth a shot. And I I would sure hope that they told, that Joe Judge's homework for Nick Gates was to take, you know, 500 snaps a day. I mean, they just may have to. They may not have a choice. Obviously, there's guys in the draft that's pretty enticing at the center spot, but feasibly because of how many holes this football team has, kind of like I was mentioning earlier, and you get a little worried. You get a little worried that how many holes this football team has, they may just have to roll with it and go with it with Nick Gates at center. And how many depth pieces can you have and do you want? And again, Nick, this is where this is where Solder just complicates the living crap out of absolutely everything. And the fact that he has so much dead money and you can't just move on from Solder. You can't just trade him. You can't just release him. This is where I don't think moving so Solder is impossible, though. Like if you trade him, I get the dead cap, but I wouldn't be mad eating that up if you can trade Solder for a draft pick, even if it's not even a good draft pick. Like if it's a six rounder, like I, I if there's a salute, if there's a plan in place. For once he's gone, I, I I really don't care about the dead cap, honestly. Yeah, that's the thing. I just don't think there's a plan for him once you're once you move on from Solder. And it's a question of, okay, you know, are you gonna trust a rookie, a left tackle? You know, if you were to cut him, then obviously Andrew Thomas is probably the the fourth pick, right? And then are you going to trust Nick Gates? who is, you know, uh, a couple years, maybe removed, a couple years removed from injuries and also an undrafted free agent out of Nebraska. <laughs> Are you going to trust that as your left tackle and right tackle combination? There's also so many combinations you can only have with depth pieces where Pulley's seen as a depth piece, Gates is going to be seen as a depth piece where the left tackle and the center spot, those holes, you can't necessarily have all these depth pieces. We need to have these starters. We need to have answers for starters. And that was a terrible argument and a terrible way to say that argument. But I hope I made sense. 
Well, I, I, I feel good about Gates. Um, if they are yes. comfortable with him, like, like he played really good at right tackle, like really good. So, and this is something that like you mentioned the undrafted thing. This is something that kept me with, with Darius Slayton and Ryan Connolly in particular. I was like, man, I really like what I see out of these guys on film. I really like what I saw with Constant. I really like what I saw to Auburn. The only thing that held me back from saying like these guys are going to be legit was the fact that they were late round draft picks. So now that we've seen Nick Gates at the NFL level do stuff, I don't know. I don't want to hold him back just because he's an undrafted free agent. I mean, think about this. If Nick Gates was taken in the second round and we see those two games, we're probably a lot more confident uh, out of him, right? So we're I don't screaming. know. We're screaming to start him. Yes. So Nick Gates, can we slate him in at right tackle and be confident? I don't know. But I also don't think it'd be insane either. Having Nick Gates on this football team is a good problem to have instead of a bad one because it's a matter of where can he fit and where can he go. It's a right. good problem. Right. And we haven't had any of those lately. Um, <laughs> I mean, really, think about any other position where it's a good problem. Um, nothing. And, 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 and minicamp, it was corner. We've got too many right. corners. Well, where's Julian Love going to go? And then we didn't see him for... Sam Beal, man. He is lighting up OTAs. What about OTAs? Remember Sam Beal was lighting up OTAs? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's like... It, it, I'm serious. Uh, Sam Beal is the, is the Jacoby Ellsbury of the New York Football Giants. He is. Right, 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 right. Oh, by right. the way, speaking of Sam Beal, um, I called in the big blue kickoff. Yes, we don't have the audio. You want to send it to me? Hold on, I can, I can, I can just pull it from my no, phone. No, j- just send it to me, and I can put it in. All right, but it's it's a little longer than expected. All right, I'm texting it to you right now. Well, how about the Steelers? A lot of stuff to talk about. I want to stay within the top ten right now. Tim is down in Florida. What's up, Tim? Hey guys, first of all, I love the. Uh... The my cousin Vinny reference. What are these magic beans for a magic trade? <laughs> yeah, these two youths, huh? <laughs> these, these two youths. Uh, Sam Beal thoughts. Sam Beal thought. A uh, guy Sam, that Sam has Beal. gotten yes, it's a slow start to his career. Injured early. Um, physically gifted. He's long. He's fast. Um, I don't think you saw enough last year to just hand him a starting job. I think you saw some potential. I think he fits into that type of bump-and-run man-corner uh, scheme that we saw Patrick Graham run in Miami. Um, I think you need to see something from him this year in year number three. And I think that I think he's a man. He's like a sponge. I think he's, 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 a, he's a good kid, by the way. Yeah, and I, he's wanting to be coached and coached well. And I think that he will get that this year, and I think he can be a good player. All right, well, he's a good youth, so you two youths enjoy your day. <laughs> All right, thank I you, appreciate Tim. it. Thank you for the call, Tam. Good stuff. 201-939-4513. It's all brought to you by Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Did you see the Irishman? Just com- completely threw Jeff Eagles off. He's like, Sam Beal, thoughts? <laughs> it's Milk. Who I, I like both those guys. So, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was kind of funny. They're just like, these two youths. Uh, and then they talked about the Irishman because I yeah the Irishman I brought up yeah I brought up Joe Pesci so I was it was a good conversation. Are we gonna play the voicemail? Oh yeah, Bobby, let's play that voicemail. Uh, first off, I want to apologize to Gordy because you left this voicemail a while back now, 
And now we are going to play it. We're going to talk about your question. But thank you for leaving a voicemail. Um, yeah, let's play it. Let's talk about it. Hi, this is Gordy. Um, I love your show. You guys are great. You're funny, entertaining, and very knowledgeable. So here's my question. Talking about me, not you. I wonder what Joe Judge might bring to the Giants. What qualities that would make him different from McAdoo and Shermer? so that they can actually get to the playoffs and ultimately get to the Super Bowl. Maybe you see some qualities. And also qualities that the, that the Giants have as a team. I know they're not fully set for next year, but um, some uh, thoughts, positive thoughts. Thanks. Bye. Positive thoughts, Bobby. Positive well, big, thoughts biggest, only. Biggest difference between McAdoo and Shermer is the fact that he's not going to be a glorified offensive coordinator. Um so he's going to be a real head coach where, you know, he's a CEO of the team where he's, you know, taking part of everything. That's where the special teams coordinator, you know, comes into place. Um, and I think he's going to be not a like a Tom Coughlin disciplinarian, but he is going to be more disciplinary than uh, McAdoo and Shermer were. Shermer wasn't at all, really. McAdoo tried to do it too late and didn't have the respect of his guys. So when he <laughs> did do that, it kind of hit the fan. So I do think Joe Judge will, you know, established that from day one and he, he probably he kind of established it in his press conference yeah um he's kind of a nut uh from the, you know the from the things that we've heard from former patriots players the dude is kind of a, a football nut and also he seems to have well not even seems this just doesn't take a very intelligent person to see but he has a much better relationship with his staff than pat Shermer or ben mcadoo ever did and okay that's that that brings up a point to people who were saying that Shermer didn't like Shula. Boy, look who's the QB coach with him in Denver. They loved each other. And they ultimately deserve each other at the end of the day, in my opinion. They I think deserve he's going to be a very good OC. I'm not a fan of Drew Locke, so I don't know how successful he'll be. Uh, but I, I do. I am a fan of Shermer as an offensive coordinator. Sue me. I know people are going to hate that. Like All he does is run the ball inside, even though that's what running the ball in the NFL is. All right, Justin, I think that's an episode. Thank you, Gordy, for calling in. Yeah. Next episode, we have an interview, an hour-long interview. Wasn't planned to be that way. It just kept on going. It is a two-time Super Bowl champion, former New York Giant. So I'll let your imagination run wild on that. We'll announce it sometime Monday afternoon. We appreciate you guys. And by the way, we're starting a contest for a free t-shirt or any kind of merch from the Talking Giants store, leave us a rating review, take a screenshot of it, and DM it to either me, Justin, or the Talking Giants page. And on March 1st, we will do a raffle, and the winner will get that free t-shirt. We did it uh, a few months ago, and Evan Williams won it off Instagram. So make sure to do that. We appreciate you guys. And until Tuesday in our interview, let's go Big Blue.